Welcome to Unlock Your Magic, the podcast all about living authentically and doing life on your own terms. My name is Christine, I'm your host, and I invite you to come on a journey with me to discover what it means to live an authentic life, looking at the messy bits of how to get there, and hopefully picking up some tips and tricks along the way so that you can start living life as your truest self. Welcome to another episode of Unlock Your Magic. And today's guest is Tara Lee Byrne, who is a very dear friend of mine, who is also a cellist, a teacher, a raw food chef. Amazing. Um, she's also a yogi and so many more things and so many more things she's not. Um, she's currently residing in Byron Bay, beautiful Byron Bay in the Southern Hemisphere in Australia. And I'm so delighted to have her on here because she has so much wisdom to share. And yeah, welcome. Thanks, Christine. I'm so delighted to be having this chat with you. Not that we don't already talk like 17 times a day, but yeah, this is like an official one. I know. We need to kind of be careful of what we're saying on here today. Um, no, but so Parley has has had quite a career in many, many different areas, to be honest. Um, obviously, she's the professional cellist um, who at the moment works actually with uh, a duo, uh, the Onyx duo in Australia. But she's also, I think, diving into and morphing into a lot of new things. And she's, you know, uh, worked in Purple Valley um, as a raw food chef. She has, you know, done many many different things she's had um a company that did canola which is the best canola i've ever had um and there's so many so many facets and layers to it so i would love to start to dive into where are you now as in terms of who you are now and as a being as a person in terms of yeah like your authenticity and and where you are at Gosh, that's quite a a multifaceted question. Um, I, as you said, I, I'm now um, living in Byron Bay with my partner Costas, who I think we'll probably refer to quite frequently during this uh, conversation. Yeah. And it's been a it's been an interesting couple of years, in particular, um, since I decided to take a, a sabbatical, actually, from my music academy in Ireland and um, which I decided to take another sabbatical year off in 2019 to 2020 and I think the biggest changes that have happened in in my emotional life my spiritual life and definitely also in my so-called career life have really just exploded in these last four years and so prior to that, um, everything was kind of, you know, on course, uh, as, as I, as I had been kind of going through the motions and all the different steps in the ladder, uh, of being a professional cellist and touring and concerts and, and then I opened a mu beautiful, wonderful music academy, which had always been a dream of mine. Cause I'm very, very passionate about teaching and educating, um, but also learning as a teacher from my students, which which is the biggest gift of being a teacher, actually. Um, I opened that in Killaloo in the Wild West there in Ireland. And um, that was in 20, uh, 2009, actually. And, and that was a wonderful um, opportunity for me for the first time in, in, in I suppose, in my late 20s, early 30s to, to, to sort of put down roots. Um, in Ireland, because before that I had been working and studying and touring all over Europe and and Asia, so um, I finally decided, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna settle here, and um, and I got married uh, at that period um, to a Buddhist monk, which was, of course, you know, why wouldn't you? And uh... <laughs> Uh, and, and that, yeah, that was a colourful, colourful period. And 
And then loads of things like that will probably be the catalyst, I would imagine, for everything that happened next, um, which has led me to where I am today um, in Byron. And uh, and I don't really believe in accidents or, you know, coincidences. You know, everything that's happening has actually already exists and has already happened. And we're just living out the play of this 3D world which I didn't know anything about um, really. And I still know nothing about it, but I certainly have a, a better insight into little, a little chink into what it is, what we're doing here, what we're not doing here and and who we are and who we aren't. Um, but that's only been in the last year or so. So yeah, it's, it's it all feels very accelerated. It all feels very accelerated the, this last year in particular. And uh but I, I don't think I've ever been more content with this being at this point right now. Yeah. I don't think I've ever thought that before. Yeah. Yeah, because we always strive, right? And you've been quite, you like, I mean, I, I look back at, at those times because we've met quite a long time ago. We met about 2008, I think, maybe. Not often went to the internet. Um, yeah. But it's, it's so it's, it's interesting to see the evolution because Tarani has always been someone who has had a million things on and I don't even know how he managed to fit everything into a day. And this past year has been really interesting to see of you just slowing down and just taking more time and, and doing that. So maybe, maybe we can dive into what changed in the sense of when was the moment you're like, okay, I'm in, I'm in Killaloo. I have this amazing academy, um, but something isn't quite right. Because you went then on to, you know, being a traveling yogi chef. And so maybe um, if you feel like that's one of the catalysts of, of change, maybe talk a little bit about that of like what motivated you and what made you kind of like, wait, this isn't everything that I've maybe wanted or this isn't everything that I can have and want sure um as you said you know I have uh I had enormous ambition and drive and hunger and I I don't know where I got that energy from I really don't because I I I I never felt tired really or I was always so enthused and I always thought I could you know handle everything at the same time, because I had grown up like that with my folks, I was, I was in, literally I had a, an activity or two or three activities every single day of the week um, growing up, whether it was music, well, there was always music. And then on top of that, there was either tennis or camogie, hockey, ballet, percussion, music theory, choir, orchestra, like literally I was like the busiest seven and eight year old, like until I left school, I, I just, I never knew what it was to be bored. I was never bored in my entire life. So I had this kind of default setting of just doing everything and it never felt like a chore and it never felt too much because I just bloody loved doing everything. And my mom loved seeing that I really enjoyed it. So she, obviously she kept kind of giving me more things to do. And it was such a privileged background and um, considering my parents were both what you would probably call um, middle class you know my dad was a carpenter wood turner and my mom was the most amazing role model and a house wife and mother and um, provider and negotiator and money handler <laughs> you know not just this term housewife she, she handled the life and the family and yeah and so I always had that uh, sense of okay you can have like loads of pots on the boil at the same time so when I finally decided to come back to Ireland and um and open the music academy and I got married um I I knew uh that something well I knew that I, I had firstly made a mistake getting married that was pretty clear like blind man in the helicopter could have seen that but um hindsight is 2020 pardon hindsight is always 2020 <laughs> oh, but the thing is, I knew it. I knew it walking down the aisle. You know, it wasn't it wasn't even like, oh gosh, you know, I, I copped on. You know, a couple of months later, it was. Uh, 
it was very clear, but I didn't listen to that little that little voice that that was sitting there on my shoulder and that was in my gut. Um, but but in, in answer to your question, with, with like what was such a catalyst for me in that moment was that was exactly that that I didn't listen to my gut instinct of knowing that this was not the right position for me to be in in a, in a relationship and certainly not with that person and and also for them definitely not with me either and when I when I had the realization and I had the epiphany that you know there was three people in our marriage um that was and I listened to it and it came to me in a dream and and I just and I trusted it and I was right and so it was it was a moment whereby I felt empowered to to actually really trust that that gut instinct of mine that has never ever led me wrong down through the years. But I didn't really think it was in this scenario. You know, I I was strong enough to walk away um, from something that wasn't serving anybody, um, and that was a big catalyst for me because I felt hugely released and I I felt at that time, despite the fact that I was living in a kind of a small town, I had amazing support with community and friends and network. And and I also realized that actually, as supportive as all of that was, I was my biggest fan. I was my biggest fan because I just, I was so impressed with myself because I felt like I had been, I even started wearing really dark colored clothing and people remarked on that. And I never wore dark colored clothing. My, my whole being changed. I was I was just morphing into this um, shell of myself and and there were signs, but I was so blinded by them, by what was going on and what I should be doing, you know, being as a married woman and and all of that. And then and then when I had that release, it was, you know, I, I was like Joseph on a Technicolor dream coat. Like I was just <laughs> I was wearing like every single color because I felt, OK, hey, here she is. I haven't seen you in a while. Welcome back. And now let's start living again. And from then on, I I trusted implicitly what I used to call, and I still call, and I do it every single day, is um, the stomach, like the gut test. Um, and that is, I always ask myself when I'm trying to make a decision or listen to myself um, one question, and, and that is, will you regret it if you don't do this? And I go with my first answer. I don't think about it. I don't look back. Um, and I just go with whether it's yes or no, and and I go with that, and that that has never led me astray, uh, apart from walking down the aisle that day. But actually, I also believe that I didn't. That wasn't the wrong thing to do. I don't regret getting married or anything like that. I I believe that it was a, it was um part of my journey and part of his journey as well. And it was, it's all those steps as I said earlier, like have led me to. To where I am now today and have guided me up you know I slipped off off the motorway for a while and but I, it was a great um <laughs> it was a great detour as painful as it was it was a great detour and and it made me just made me appreciate myself more and know that I can always trust myself and I have this knowing like and to trust that mm. which I hadn't uh, fully embraced it you know I kind of trusted it yeah, so it's like kind of being a vegetarian, have a bit of chicken now and then, you know, ah, it's not really neat. Well, it was the same with that. It was, it was like, ah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of listening to her, but I, yeah, my dad would say, ah, you're a bit airy fairy, you know, but out with the fairies, like what's she on about? And, but now I'm like, no, I'm fully fledged fairy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? We don't trust that. And when we don't, it bites us in the butt usually. It really does. Um, but it's the it's the cultivation of that that I think is really hard because we're not taught to listen to that because we're we're growing up, I think we're always taught to do the right thing and be the good girl and do things that we don't want to necessarily do. Not that we don't enjoy them, like you being so busy all the time, you know, it might have it might have served you to have a little bit of time to like, breathe and time to to yourself and stuff and I know that you are doing that right now in terms of and even taking out the sabbatical and you know completely changing to having your 
your cello on your back and traveling the world and creating amazing food and um, serving a lot of people. Um, but I think it takes those moments of, oh, yeah, that wasn't the right decision, but it's also the right decision because it led you here. Is that kind of realization. Um, yeah. So I wonder... How has then the journey of that you've 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 taken since, um, and maybe particularly this last year, although all of it kind of is relevant, obviously, but um, of where you where you are now, like how how did you get to, to where you are now, and who are you now? How did I get to Byron? Well, um, that actually started exactly um, ten years ago when I decided to take that sabbatical and. That was, I, I'd always um, wanted to, I was, I was always crazy about food, like, um, and I always loved creating. And I think it was mainly because when I turned vegetarian when I was 11 and my, um, much to the horror of my poor mother, um, you know, tofu didn't exist back then, you know, and like beans were like baked beans by Heinz, you know, and, uh, and when I turned vegetarian, my mom said, well, you're just going to have to learn how to cook because, you know, I'm just going to continue giving you your potato and two veg or your rice with um, like some tomato kind of weird sauce thing. I mean, she was a great, great chef, but like really meat orientated. And and I turned vegetarian after going on a school tour when I was 11. And there was this big imposing like onto a farm and there was this big imposing great um, concrete kind of building in the corner and, and me being inquisitive back then as the fire we're like what's 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 going on over there you know he was showing us all like the little happy hens clucking around and uh and and he said oh that's the abattoir and I was like what's an abattoir and he went come on over and have a look so myself and a couple of girls went over and yeah that, let's just say that that was the last time I ate meat and um and actually ironically so the very last meat that I ate in my entire life was a Big Mac <laughs> the weekend before so that that when I turned vegetarian I was like absolutely nothing 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 meat or meat you know byproducts at all so I remember my mum and um, she gave me one of her cookbooks and and uh, the first thing I ever cooked was stuffed tomatoes and stuffed tomatoes with rice and breadcrumbs and you know that was the first time I tasted garlic I am not joking. I was actually just telling Costa this story the day. The first time in my life I ever tasted garlic was when I was 11. I mean, that's just wild. Kids are having, you know, sushi and wasabi here when they're four in Australia. Like, it's normal. And, but, and I had garlic for the first time when I was 11 years old. And I'll never forget the smells coming out of the kitchen of something I was making, like really simple with them dried herbs and breadcrumbs and, uh, and the insides of the tomato the pulp and I remember putting it in the oven and just smelling the kitchen like the wafts of the aromas I'm thinking oh my god what's that going to taste like and then I taste it and I can still like my like I'm salivating now even remembering it like 30 years later thinking oh my god those stuffed tomatoes are like the best thing I ever did and so I was hooked I was hooked after that I let my mom continue to bake all of her amazing cakes because she was an incredible baker and I started like experimenting in the kitchen. And and so when the opportunity came for me um, in my late 20s, early 30s, in when my marriage ended, I said, OK, enough of this. I want to learn how to be a raw food chef and I want to travel the world um, in working in yoga centers. So I did it. Um, I decided to take a year out um, and do that. And I went off and did my studying in Matthew Kenny um, in the plant lab, the culinary plant lab. Um, he's the king of raw food um, based in Santa Monica in the States. And I did my studies and graduated. And then I got my job. Uh, my first job was in Crete in the yoga set in um, uh, Yoga Plus there in Crete. And I worked there for a season. And then I winged my way down to Australia. And um, because I had been going, as you mentioned, Purple Valley, which is based in Goa in India at, for Ashtanga Yoga which I discovered, which is how I met you, Christine, um, in Dublin with uh, Suzanne and John and um, teaching Ishtanga in Dublin City Centre. And at that stage, though, it was in um, Greystones and then Black Rock and then Donnybrook. And yeah, it had moved 
gradually to its wonderful premises now um, just off Packet Street and uh, I I knew there was something into this whole raw food and I remember feeling just so incredible on that diet now granted it was in India a bit hard to be a raw foodie in the west of Ireland you know in the winter it's, it's pretty challenging but I I said I really want to study this and so I and I knew Purple Valley was where I wanted to go and work and and I really I manifested it all I use the word manifest for back then now I, I don't really use the word manifest but back then I said manifest I wanted to get that job and then I did I got the job as the chef in um, Purple Valley and I worked there for a season but just before that I had come to Australia which is where my yoga teacher um Dina Kingsberg um Ishtang yoga teacher was based and that was nine years ago at this point in time nine years ago and I fell in love with Byron Bay um physically and emotionally and I mean it's such a stunning place to live but I was just so I felt so at home because you know you could talk to your waitress about your chakras do you know what I mean like and she would be going on about her crystal healing and you know going for a yoni massage you know after work and 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 there was just man bun central and I was single at that time so like it was just like whoop or bring it on so you know I was just in paradise and I was doing yoga every day but I was also dying because I couldn't sleep something happened that in my system that I didn't know what was going on and I didn't realize that I was just completely being cracked open uh, emotionally and mentally at that stage um, and I remember talking about it with a bunch of friends yogi friends here and a couple of healers and they said, well, you know, Byron really cracks everybody open if they're ready for it. And because in the indigenous culture, they believe that um, th that there's a serpent that's surrounding the, the outside of Australia. And, that's, and Byron is where the head meets the tail. And this is where the indigenous and the elders and that meet um, up in the hinterland, meaning like up not smack in the centre, because the energy of the land here is so incredibly strong, which is why it's so popular for yoga and spiritual spirituality and transformation and healing and cacao ceremonies and you name it. Like this is this is the hub. This is it's it's like a mecca. It really is, and yeah. I was, uh, it cracked me open. Didn't know what was going on at all. Like, I really thought I was losing my stuff, losing my, um, can't say that word, but losing my business. And uh, and I was. And and I, uh, during that period, I met my partner, Costa, who I'm still with nine years later. And he's, a, uh, as he calls himself, he's a Bondi Cypriot. So Greek um, Aussie Cypriot. <laughs> and guys from Bondi Beach in Sydney and um, it was a beautiful uh, meeting um, but I I was so unhappy um, in myself and I didn't know why I, I had this like darkness around me that I couldn't shift and and this loneliness and I just couldn't I wanted to pull my skin off I was just so deeply uncomfortable in my body and everything everything was just irritating and I just wanted to run away from it and so you know I went to a doctor because of the sleeping and also um because a friend of mine had said you know I think maybe maybe you should just go to a doctor and just get like a good old checkup so of course you know what they do put me on antidepressants um and I I didn't really know I wasn't that deep into my questioning of my consciousness or being, you know, really conscious about what was going on. I was just so embroiled and enmeshed in in the ship of, of what was happening. And so I kind of went, oh, well, here's somebody in a white coat giving me some pills that's going to help me. And like, even if that just gives me a little bit of relief to kind of deal with what's going on, not knowing that that was going to dull pretty much everything. And, uh, but it was a pretty small dose. And it did feel like, for me at that stage, it definitely did help. Um, it felt like looking back, it felt like it helped a lot. And but but um, but after that, uh, we decided, Costa and myself decided to um move back to Ireland, 
And, you know, I had this amazing experience in Australia of like relaxing and exploring all of these different modalities and like these so-called alternative therapies, you know, to, which is just like my, my world now. And, and so many other people's as well. I uh, went back to Ireland with Costi and we launched a food company called Wicked Whole Foods and we developed and made um, granola. And if I do say so myself, it was the best granola on the planet. And <laughs> I can agree. I can agree. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was so. Oh, it was so. It was so much fun. It was so much work. And at the same time, I had the music academy. Mm-hmm. I was running the music academy. I launched the granola company, which took off ridiculously fast, and um, which we weren't really prepared for uh, it to be so successful in demand. Like you know in that respect and then a little bit into that journey I also um, was approached to launch a cafe restaurant um, in in the west in Limerick um, which which was I was like sure of course I can open a cafe yeah no problem I've only got you know two other full-time jobs going on as well that's grand and but that's that's been the story of, of me like all the way up I didn't think that that was a bit weird, like doing that, you know, and working literally, you know, 18 hour days. And it was wild. It was wild. And I think it was after the cafe launched in 2018 that I realized, okay, I'm either just taking on a little bit more than I can chew. And I was also at that stage health wise, I was having some really serious like health issues with like, um, with my heart actually and uh and just hyper anxiety and um my my blood pressure as well hypertension so i was i knew that there was something my body was saying like you know what is going on here you can't this is not sustainable and it wasn't so uh just to fast forward quickly i um uh i stepped away from the cafe um and uh let that go like it still continued and you know and thrived for I I believe it gets right it actually um kept going right the way up until it closed in January earlier this year I just discovered actually a couple of weeks ago um and then uh I went away on holidays with Casa to Morocco and I was sitting in a jacuzzi and I got into the jacuzzi and I felt this like roaring pain on my neck and on my chest and it feels like what is that and this heat and then I went to bed I wasn't feeling too good and I woke up about an hour or two later and I looked at my neck and I had um third degree burns um on my neck this looked like someone had just like scalded me with hot water and Pastor rushed me to the hospital because he was like what is that like where did that come from you know and uh and and it's, Christine, that for me was like a massive aha moment. I didn't realize, but because of my stressful life, I was having a really, really irregular heartbeat, as of having a lot of anxiety. I was on uh, um, antidepressants. I was also on um, hypertension tablets for high blood pressure. And it turns out that the blood pressure tablets I was on make you allergic to the sun. So I I basically was you know burning myself because I was allergic to sunshine and I just went okay this is a sign there is there's too many things here that are negative that are all connected to everything that I'm doing I have to stop doing something and so that was that was really I suppose I couldn't ignore that there was no way I could ignore that and I just went that's it I'm done I'm so done I'm done with everything everything Mm -hmm. And so I decided with Costi that we would just finish um, Wicked Whole Foods. That was also kind of slightly decided for us as well. We had a couple of shocking um, final episodes with uh, goji berries that were um, bloody goji berries that that had this really unusual um, uh, pesticide on it that was not dangerous to humans, but would kill fish. So as a result, we had to like recall all of our granola. And I was like, well, fish don't buy our granola. I think we're grand, you know. And uh, but no, anyway, we had we had a couple of really difficult decisions to make at the very end um, with the company. 
you know, and it was actually, it was kind of a blessing in a way that, you know, I, I was in that position that I had already made that decision. So, yeah. And then I decided with Costi, we're going to take a year and we're going to go back to Australia because he had also had enough of sleeping fully clothed in the West of Ireland, you know, for four years because he just couldn't handle the bloody cold and like the damp <laughs> in our cottage that, you know, the odd day would be a mushroom grown in the corner. So he just said, listen, let's 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 give this a go. You need some like sunshine, even though you're allergic to it now. Let's uh, let's go back. Here I am with with an Irish Sheila that's allergic to sunshine and doesn't drink. Wow. It was fine. Never declined. Yeah. So yeah, that's why we went back to Australia. We went back to Australia in 2019. And uh, yeah. And then we know what happened next. <laughs> Y'all know what happened next. Yeah. And I suppose that kind of made a lot of di uh, different decisions for you as well, I suppose. Because he couldn't come back here. And um, yeah. And ha. Uh, and it's so interesting you talking about this kind of shift of like, okay, this is, because our body tells us everything, right? Our body always tells us everything that we need to know of where is the misalignment, where is, where are we not living our truth, where we're not aligned, where are we not authentic. And it always, always tells us if we just listen to it. And then, then I suppose, yeah, you have gone on quite a journey, especially in the past year, um, with all the work obviously that you have been doing and and I wanna get to what what's coming for you because it's it's so exciting. But I um I suppose listeners don't know all the all the stories. So <laughs> went from this high achieving, high output to obviously COVID, um, shutting everything down and, you know, you're still actually continuing to teach online that all your students from in Ireland, from Byron May, because thankfully everything went online and, you know, you were able to continue. And yeah, I'd love to kind of learn about your most recent kind of shift of like, oh, there's another layer of discovering who Tara Lee is um or not is um <laughs> which is you know always the, the thing but yeah maybe maybe go a little bit into that I'd, I'd love to learn of of that I suppose somewhat um it's always messy the transition of of to the to the new or old self um yeah yeah and um I, I'll I'll just mention that um briefly, although people that know me know that I, I really don't understand the word of briefly, um, understand the meaning, sorry, of briefly, or or when I say in a nutshell, just never be prepared, be prepared for that nutshell because it doesn't exist. Um, but talking about transformational work, which is essentially, you know, what our, our beautiful conversation is about and and the magic that is unlocked when we when we find these different modalities. Before last year and, and before I was introduced by you <laughs> to um, Tommy, who is based in Dublin, another one of your wonderful guests on the Unlock Your Magic podcast. Um, and he does a lot of work with uh, the teachings of Dr. Joe Dispenza. And prior to that, you know, I had gone through that route, I suppose, like many people of therapists and finding different, you know, psycho, psychological counselors, um, somatic healing you know that was very much later in 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 my journey but like I definitely gone through the counseling route and I never really found um uh, a method or or a person that I felt you know hey you can solve my shit <laughs> and I think that's where the problem lay it was like I was expecting somebody else to, to solve my problems <laughs> but yeah isn't that isn't that always the case right and but I did find on my journey and it was here in Byron that on one evening when I was having this kind of unraveling of the onion um, with two dear friends of mine, uh, one friend of mine said, have you ever heard about the Hoffman process? And an hour later, a friend of mine in Ireland who knew I was really struggling had texted me, listen, I've just done the Hoffman process. And I went, whoa, OK, so here's another little sign. What, what's this Hoffman process? So I investigated it and it turned out that the Hoffman Process Centre was like literally was my next door, <laughs> was the field next door to where I was living. And I had never known about it. 
And so I investigated. It was very expensive to do it in Australia and I was really not financially viable. It was also financially viable for me. So I kind of put it on the back burner. Um, and then when I went back to Ireland and uh, Costa and myself discussed it and I said, you know what, I really, it's coming back to me. I really want to do this. And he was an absolute dote. He actually paid for me to do it because I we, we had just launched Wicked Whole Foods and I was, you know, it was a bit of a, we were shoestringing it. And and he said, listen, you know, this is this is what you want to do and let's, let's, let's do it. And it really felt like it was the two of us doing it, but he was so invested in it for me. And and I did that um, seven years ago and and I, it was such an incredible experience in the UK and um, if anybody's interested in, in discovering more about it then I definitely encourage them to check out their website thehoffmanprocess.co.uk um, it's not really something that you talk about the actual experience because it's a very personal experience for everybody and if you really say something that is quite you know, shocking to somebody else that might put them off from even exploring it. So people don't really talk about what happens on it, and it's it's not a cult. You know, it's not. You're, there's no nakedness involved, or there's no you know anything like that. Um, but but it is. It, I felt like a lot of stuff shifted for me, and especially regarding the family and my patterns that I had had in my life, because that's that's kind of the core teachings of it. That everything we do, we is pretty much either a direct result of what our parents or we learn from our caregivers. Either we do the exact same, we carbon copy them, or we go, I am so never going to do that. And you go the opposite way. And that would have been my parents. My parents were like the ultimate procrastinators when it came to making decisions, um, except for their children, but for themselves. And and so I, I was the complete opposite. I just never rushed. Hence why I used to just go my first decision like and I and I didn't realize that that was because of my parents and that role. And and so that pattern identification and the choice then that I learned in in how to respond, you know, in a situation rather than react and and really, yeah, it it, it absolutely was so revealing. And I came off that retreat thinking, man, I'm I'm healed. I got I got all my shit sorted out, you know, and. Uh, it's we all like, think that, don't we? It's like, it's not the answers. This is the way. And, and and then you think you can heal everybody else. You know, that's the danger. You go into this kind of like healing mode that like you are the guru and Hoffman is the only way. But they do encourage you. They do warn you that you're going to think that, you know, which is great. And, uh, and, I, and after that, you know, I had the tools to be able to, to kind of catch myself when I was going to fall into those patterns but yeah I fell into my pattern of being back Mrs. Busy and and then I decided okay you know I don't think this is that Hoffman is not my solution like I am my solution and and I had this always had this instinct like as I spoke earlier and and I went okay how can I marry these two and I kept exploring other um, healing modalities and and I think a big thing that I, I should mention is that like I, I became very interested in meditation and um and especially since um I was living in Ireland so like for the last eight years I've pretty much had um a daily meditation uh practice and even if that ends up being two minutes I will still do a two minute and that was thanks to the calm app the uh, that that do these amazing like six minute meditations, which I did for until actually I only finished my calm subscription last year. Um, so I had that going for years and it was just, it's so brilliant and so accessible. And it just was really helpful in that crazy period of everything that myself and Costa were doing. But last year, I think after the period with COVID and, um, had a lot of signs from the universe and and my my dad passed away during covid back in ireland and i under very challenging family circumstances and i yeah i went in a very 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 dark space and of rage and vengeance and 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 everything and i i think during that period as well we were you were such a lifeline to me um, on so many levels and 
many of the the life boys you threw me um, was an introduction to Tommy, and and I went uh, to an online session um, of Tommy's um, a satsang. So a satsang for those of you who might not be familiar is like a beautiful community meeting of like-minded people and some people in satsangs do you know chanting and some people talk and like there's so many different and play there's lots of different versions of a satsang um and tommy's one was what i'd never encountered before and uh, and it was to do with the teaching i don't think anybody can you know <laughs> can argue with me on that one and uh and and during the session, um, there was a two hour meeting. I just felt like this is, this is it, man. This is it. This is everything and nothing. And this is what I have been looking for. The answers in, in that feeling in my body of just, um, being understood by myself, like understanding myself and understanding and, and realizing like, oh my gosh, all these things, all these things that have been appearing in my life, like that's, it's, it's real. Like it's, it's like, this is, this is my essence. You know, I haven't been, haven't been dreaming this. I haven't been wondering like, is this unusual? This is actually, this is, this is it. And I texted you afterwards. I went, Sweet Jesus, Christine, this lit man. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Like nothing else. Not. I'm in. Like Flynn. Like that was it. I was done. I was done for. And the, the, the thing I want to kind of highlight in this actually is that has it, it. Someone has nothing to do with Tommy, and everything to do with you realizing that you have all the answers within you anyway. I think that's the important part to kind of highlight yeah. here because. You know, like I said earlier, it's like we always look on the outside as like someone else kind of to fix us. Whereas like, oh, no, 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 you have all the answers within you. You just need to listen and you just need to kind of open yourself up to seeing the seeing the hard parts that we don't want to see. Um, seeing the parts where we're being ruled by our patterns again, right? Because that's still happening. It's, it's, some, it's somewhat still we can, you know, have the pause and we can react rather than respond rather than react. But I think when we can learn that, like, oh, but we can change that. We don't have to be run by those patterns. I think that's where the change happens. And that's when we realize that, yes, we are the creator of our lives and we create everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that everything that shows up in our lives. So I think that was, that's important to kind of highlight that it wasn't necessarily Tommy that's the answer. And that you're the answer. Yes. And I would, I, I kind of describe Tommy and the experience of that satsang as, and the experience like I've had continuously with him since I've been, you know, meeting with him online is that he's like a, a Sherpa, you know, he's like a guide in this work and in this, you know, 3D world. And, and it's, it's a guide. He's never telling you what to do or advising he's just interpreting and he's and in into language that you know is accessible for for you for us you know humans having this experience and and that was that was the difference for me is like I never had such clarity about what is this what is this and what it is not and and all those questions I had um, that I didn't even probably even know I had, but it was just like this ultimate relaxation into like, oh, yeah, okay. I kind of get it now. <laughs> and and that was that was just the beginning of my absolute obsession with um, the work of Joe Dispenza. And... And and that was I met um that was in the end of October last year, um, twenty twenty two. And and since then I I was really fortunate to get a place on um Dr. Joe's retreat here in uh, Australia on the Sunshine Coast in March, um, which is which is kind of fluky in a way. But I, I just knew I was going, like because Tommy sent me an email um at the end of November saying, Hey, Dr. Joe's in Australia next year. 
Uh, and I looked at it and it said like advanced workshop. And I went, Jesus Christ, I've only, I've only like read the first three chapters of his book. You're having a laugh, you know. I, I said, I, I'm so new to this. And 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 it said that he had to have done all of his courses or attended his other retreats. And But I just went, that's, I'm going. It's grand. I'll get a ticket. And uh, and then I started reading like on Facebook groups that, you know, there's like 7,000 people want to go and there's 1,000 tickets. I mean, he does big numbers and Australia is a thousand. And, um, but I just knew, I just, I had such trust in knowing that like there was a ticket there with my name on it. I just had to pay the cash. And I went online that moment it was launched and um, when all the tickets went on sale and yeah, put in my credit card details, hit pay now. And that was it. Just like booking a Ryanair flight, you know, <laughs> and it was, it actually was easier than booking a Ryanair flight now because there's no upselling, but it's, yeah, it was just, it was so easy. And I just said, yeah, well, there you go. I'm, I'm, here we go, Sunshine Coast. And then I had to do all of his courses online in order to prepare for knowing what the work was and the breathing and, and the language that he was would be using. And yeah, and so that that's what the next um, three and a half months were for me. I, I wasn't interested in anything else, Christine. Nothing else interested me. Like I just went, okay, yeah, that's it. I'm done. I, I don't want nothing. Like I, I, I really was just, I bought all of his books. I had uh, all the meditations um, and, and that's what my days pretty much consisted of and my nights <laughs> as well. And, and I went on the retreat in March and yeah, and as, as, uh, as he says, and as Tommy says, it's, there's no going back to business as usual after that. You've crossed the river to the other side and, and you're there now. You can't go back to who you think you were before. And I'm so glad that that is the case. And there's still a word involved, right? It's, it's a constant, it's, you know, and unfortunately when we kind of have these epiphanies, it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. And then it's like, oh no, 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 like reality is kind of still here and it's still challenging us. But I think it's then how do we, it's the change of how we deal with what's being thrown our way that is the, the is the key then to moving a little bit different through the world yeah exactly and, and that's that's my work right now exactly what you just said is that now what I'm working on is being conscious trying to stay conscious for longer and not going unconscious in my day and you know, feeling those feelings that are so hardwired in our system and having conversations that are just meaningless and going through the motions and just being asleep, you know, just being this. Um, I think Tommy said it to somebody else in the satsang and they mentioned it to me during the week, like a day walker, you know, I think that's a brilliant expression, like a day walker. We're just kind of walking around here, um, not fully engaged or switched on, like the life the light bulb is kind of, you know, switched off. And and I'm I'm working on trying to stay conscious like all the time. And that's bloody exhausting because yeah. I just it's so easy to just switch back into yeah, like patterns and routine and that other version. So how but does it's, that then act how you show up, right? So obviously having done all that work and having had those moments of clarity and in, in the work is to kind of stay stay in that so how has that um affected i suppose who you perceive yourself to be and how you show up as the most current authentic version of yourself a really good question how does that affect well i have to say it's 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 easy and it's not easy to be me um, and to be the TLB, the Tara Lee Byrne that people see um, because I was always so identified with myself and, you know, uh, others with labels, you know, like even as you introduce me, which you have to do for your podcast so people have a point of reference of who is this randomer that's just suddenly jumped on the microphone with Christine, you know. Um, so like a cellist, like a teacher, an entrepreneur, um, a yogi, like these are all 
common points that we would have. We go like, oh, I, I play the cello. Oh, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. And, and it's like, what they, well, they got to talk about. It. And so it gives that lovely sense of, you know, when you're on holidays in Santa Ponza and everyone is English and you go, oh, I'm English. And then it's like, yay. And, uh, or so here, it's a story over here in, in Australia and someone says, oh, I, my friend's Irish. And I'm like, yeah, don't let me go near them. I don't want to talk to them. You know, just because I'm from Ireland doesn't mean I'm going to be sure. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> forest run. So it's it's um it's the labels I found have I've always identified with myself as labels and always you know ambitious and wanted to you know have I even said it when I was on Dragon's Den for God's sake when I did like Dragon's Den for um the Wicked Whole Foods granola they asked me afterwards you know it's like what's next for Wicked Whole Foods and I was like global growth granola domination I mean like what was I saying you know like but just even thinking of that is just hilarious now like like I'm yeah I'm not even gonna go down that I'm not gonna comment on that comment at all but I with, with the labels I have now learned how to release those labels because yes I play the cello and Yes, I cook really nice food and yes, I do yoga and yes, I write and yes, I teach. But that's not me. That's that's not the essence of me. And I've actually now started introducing myself differently. Mm, how do you do that now? Uh, well, you see, you can do that in Byron because everyone's a bit odd anyway, you know, like, but but I tell you, I don't know if I'd be doing this um, in Grafton Street, like, or... Uh... <laughs> Or in Cork, they'd be go, oh, Jesus, what's wrong with your boy? You know, but um, uh, if uh, now I, if someone asks me what, what my name is, if someone asks me what my name is, you know, obviously before I'd say, oh yeah, my name is Tara, right? Or Tara Lee, whatever. Um, or in Australia, they shorten everything. They're like, can I call you T? No, no, I'm not <laughs> a You can call me Tara or Tara Lee, thanks. And, uh, and, and I say, um, oh, I'm called Tara Lee. And it kind of stops people in their tracks to go, I'm cold, Tarly. Like, are you talking in the third person? Like, what's going on here? It's a bit weird. And a couple of people have commented on this and uh, that are intrigued. That's why I don't say my name is Tarly. And uh, and then and then they say, and I, don't, I no longer say I'm a cellist. I say I play the cello. Mm. And I no longer say um, I'm a chef. If someone says, are you a chef? I, I say, oh, I, I really enjoy cooking. And I like to cook. And and that's really weird in a place like Byron in one way, because it's, you know, all these rock stars and movie stars. And, and you know, we've done a couple of interesting gigs for such folk. Um, and and so it's like, oh, yeah, you're the raw vegan chef to the stars and blah, blah, blah. And and, and now when I say, oh, I like to cook, they're, they're thinking, hang on a second here. Are, are you not a chef? Like, do you not like, is that, are you not like qualified? And I went, well... <laughs> Do you want to see qualification or do you want to just eat my food? Like truly, it's, it's, so that has been an interesting, and I like playing with that. I like kind of provoking people with that and seeing what their reactions are because, um, I don't believe the label determines who I am. And, you know, if someone says you're an accountant and you automatically have a picture of what an accountant is, and that's really unfair because they could be like the most bubbliest person on the planet, but accountants aren't really known for cracking jokes and, you know, being the life and soul of a party. So that's where I it actually it makes makes more sense to me to 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 feel like, well, everyone should just say, well, that's what I do. You know, that's that's what I do in my day. That's what I do on this earth. And um the second part of your question would be like what am what am I doing differently in in, in how am I moving throughout the world? Well I feel now I've released the labels from that. I don't have expectations anymore. I don't, labels create something that you have to live up to. And and I love not having that level of expectation. I much prefer the surprise. And I'm much, and I find it easier now that with people, I, I really don't ask them what they do anymore. And it's I, I I'm almost counting the seconds for waiting when I meet somebody new to see what, how long it takes for them to ask you what you do because that's what they that's how they have that point of reference, 
And actually, that's one thing they do on the Hoffman retreat. You're actually told not to talk at all for the entire week about what you do. You don't tell anybody what you do. Mm, interesting. And that is fascinating learning what people do in their world for like, you know, their job or their career after a week, an intense week of spending with them. And then you think, you're a lawyer. Are you having a laugh? You, you're a yoga teacher. You're a writer. I mean, it's so it's so great to get to know the person, to, or to get to know that version of the person you know that you meet without having this preconception of who they are or what they do, or because they live somewhere. You know, it's like it's like I'm thinking, oh, you live in Byron Bay, you must be loaded, or you live in Donnybrook, where I grew up, like you must be loaded, or you live on the north side, you must be dodgy. Like I mean, I mean, Northsiders. Okay, we can. I'm joking. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a big joke coming from a Southsider. That's from Dublin, by the way, people. And in case those don't know, that it's just kind of over your head. But anyway, um, I, I much prefer not having that level of expectation from myself as well, from myself as well. But it's hard. It's hard. It's not easy. Um, there's a, there's an ease that comes with it, but there's also it's really easy to kind of fall back into the ego speaking and going, oh, but don't you know that like you know I've played with Kanye West and Beyonce and uh, you know and you too and all that like and I find myself I've often done that I've just name dropped because I felt like the other person didn't think I was enough and I'm thinking whoa who cares if they think I'm enough or not who cares and I think uh, the whole I think the not the not using the labels is really kind of rather kind of saying that this is what I do it's because for me it's the expression of the soul because we have many, many different expressions, right? And there's, there's the essence of us that who we are and it's removing the labels that is really the work because we have labels since we're, you know, a day old, we get labels. Oh, you know, she's a short one or she's, you know, like she's a bubbly one or get all these different labels. And, but I think when you start kind of looking at, especially being a multi-passionate person like you and I are, it's really looking at, Oh, what's the current expression that brings me the most joy of my soul that that really, you know, is intriguing? And, and that's a hard way to live because obviously they, we live in a world of they like labels and they like knowing and putting you into boxes. Whereas like if you're this weird unicorn that does X, Y, and Z, but, you know, can't be, be defined by certain standards out in society. It's really tricky to live in this, but I think it's really tricky. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm just going to jump in and say one thing there that um, otherwise I'll forget it. And that is, I I decided last year uh, that I was going to 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 really just go into deep rest, and and I felt like I really needed that and to stop to step away from everything and to say no to everything, and. And you know what was so funny to witness is that whenever someone said, oh, what do you, what do you do or what are you doing? Exactly what you just said there is that I said, oh, um, well, actually, I'm, I, I kind of didn't even know how to say I'm not doing anything right now. I'm just resting. And they're like, resting from what? Um, well, you know, I've decided to move into a different phase in my life or whatever. And I, I, I'm just so, so what are you working at? Oh, I'm, I'm not officially working right now. Oh, so you're just taking a break. And that, that, that's what everybody says. Oh, so you're just taking a break. So what are you going to do? Like when you, when you go back and people just can't seem, it makes them deeply uncomfortable to think that you're just doing nothing. Yes. Like you're either a total loser or a waster or you're lazy or you have no interests. And actually, I couldn't be farther from any of those things. I just want to rest. I just want to enjoy this space of being. Like my ex-husband actually said something to me and it was probably one of the most truthful things he ever said. And that was, um, you don't know how to be, you're always doing. Mm. And that was so true. It was so true. And and I, that is my daily struggle still is for me to just be and not to do. And even if doing like is reading a Dr. Joe book, I'm still doing, not being. I'm still doing. Like I have to really clearly differentiate my being and my doing time. 
because I can easily say, well, I'm actually being because I'm reading about being like I'm in Dr. Jekyll. <laughs> like I'm great at making excuses for doing um, in the being kind of scene, you know. And so people find that whole thing of you're taking a rest. It's like, whoa, hang on a second here. How can you afford to take a rest like time wise, money wise, yeah. you know, financially, uh, sorry, um, career wise. And I'm just, I'm just not motivated by that anymore, Christine. I am so not motivate, motivated by any of those things. Hmm. I know that out of rest, out of deep, real deep rest, the most beautiful things are born. And I can feel that. And that's what I'm so excited about having this space. I know how fortunate I am to have been able to have created this space so that when I move back into being productive, outwardly productive in this world, that it will be in a very different way to what I was doing it before and being before, for sure. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I'd love to, and I always ask this question, to see if there's any advice you can give or any nugget of wisdom that you can share to people that are just starting out on this journey and are like, well, I want to be more authentically me and move through the world more like me and feeling home. What would you tell them? I have a daily mantra and I actually got this from an old friend and she had it in her bathroom uh, and it's really quirky. You you know her, Aoife, actually. Mm. Uh, and it said, leap and the net will appear. Mm. And that has just been that and another mantra. And that is, it's one of the yoga sutras and it's do the work for the work alone and not the fruits of your labor. Mm. And and, you know, take the phrase or the word work and interpret it as you as you wish. But um, I, in the context of this conversation, I think you know what the word work is, uh, you know, referring to. And and I, I've always lived by that and in, in not having any regrets and trusting your instinct and just, you know, learning to trust is like it's like a skill. It's like practicing the cello. It's like anything. It's something that you have to do and do and do and do and and really be genuine in it. And, and you know, you can't just suddenly decide on a whim. Well, of course you can, but I think you'll probably always be questioning yourself. It's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to sell my house and I'm just going to, you know, move to Bali. Like, that's a brilliant thing to do. And, and I, you know, pretty much done that. But um, I would, I would encourage you, like, Take these small steps and and constantly, you know, be be trusting yourself. And if, if it feels like if it's getting hard, Dr. Joe has this great expression. He says, if you're confused, it means you're about to learn something new. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I'm constantly confused. And um and I, I love so I love the idea that we've always got this opportunity to learn something new and not think that we always have the answers. And I've started saying a lot more in the last year that I actually don't know anything. Mm. I do, I know pretend to know everything, which I which people expect you to learn. To, sorry, expect you to be able to do that. Like as a teacher, they expect you to have every single answer. As uh, as as a yoga teacher, as a music teacher, as any teacher, they expect you to have every answer. And I love it when a teacher says, "Actually, you know what? I really don't know that. I'm going to have to check that out." Or someone says something about a spiritual teaching and and someone is a spiritual teacher and they're not familiar with that you know and then they they're, they, they're comfortable in themselves to say okay I wasn't I didn't know anything about them or didn't know about their writings and and I just love that we are always open to learn and to never feel that not having their answer means you're at a disadvantage it's actually you've got the advantage because you're going to learn something new that you didn't know before. So that, that I mean, that's a real, real roundabout answer to your question, but keep the curiosity and keep being inquisitive. That's what I would, if I had to put it in a nutshell, but you know, I don't really know what the meaning is of the nutshell, but that, that would be it. And, and to just keep trusting, keep trusting in the unknown, keep trusting in the unknown. 
So the current expression of Tara Lee is obviously the Onyx Duo. Duo. Everything else is kind of in progress in in uh, gestation <laughs> in the in the thing. Um, where can people kind of learn more about what you do with a duo and um, learn more about your music and? Well, um, I I don't really want to be found um, in that. Because uh, I suppose I've given you a snapshot of, of, of what I've done um, in my earth years so far. But um, music-wise, uh, the Onyx Duo is my current um, uh, partnership that I have here in Byron. Uh, and you can find us um, on our website, theonyxduo.com. And also we're on Instagram as well. But that's, as, I, as you have said, it's, it's, one, it's one small piece of the pie um of what i'm doing right now publicly and uh there's there's lots of other beautiful collaborations that i have coming up actually over the next couple of months in byron um but also some really exciting uh concerts and yeah new ventures for me next year that i'll be launching as well thank you so much for taking out the time and the energy and the beautifulness of you oh thank you christine it's been really lovely Thank you for listening to another episode of Unlock Your Magic. If you like this episode, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast to subscribe, rate, or leave us a review. These small actions help us immensely since we are an independent podcast without any sponsorship. See you next time.